0: Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company.
1: Up high, Petrangelo. Right circle, Pacioretty. Max scans the middle. Lefty top of the circle. Out in front. Tipped home! Stevenson! Golden Knights take the lead. Chandler Stevenson, the former capital, puts the Knights in front for the first time today. 3-2 Golden Knights to the offensive zone. Drop pass and a shot. Blum save! Logan Thompson flashes his mitt for the first time today. And then a nonchalant hit nod. He knows he's in the group.
2: off now in the neutral
1: zone. Coming ahead left side. Cutting towards the middle all the way. They score! An incredible overtime goal for Shea Theodore. The Knights win.
0: It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: Here we go, Silver 7's on this Thursday. It's our Thursday home. We're a week away from the beginning of the NFL draft right here on the ground in Las Vegas. Dangerous Danny is on the scene at Silver 7, so is Adam Hill. Adam's been all over and will be all over the draft, so we got some Raider stuff coming up later on. And... We'll get into the NFL and some of the money arguments, and if that will have or if those will have an impact on the draft. That's coming up in about 30 minutes, but lots of EGK. You heard some of the highlights coming in. Big win last night. What will it mean with just a few games left in the season? we got an update on baseball as well. Every day we're kind of keeping an eye on what's happening at uh, and in front of Mount Davis in Oakland as the attendance to start the season has been completely pathetic. Let's do it. It's the 3 on
3: Cofield and Company. So what's going on, Adam? Crazy. Crazy time in sports, obviously with the uh, as you mentioned the A's have nobody watching games and uh, here in Vegas the Golden Knights trying to keep the season alive, barely doing it in dramatic fashion, the draft on the horizon getting different updates every day about concerts and who's going to be- perform and appear and all these other things. It's it's nuts right now. There's something different every day.
2: Who's performing?
3: Weezer, opening night? Is that right? Yeah. I saw Weezer and concert here a couple of years ago.
2: They're pretty good. Okay. Well, that's Better, better night. than you'd expect. Actually, uh, you put on a pretty commanding show, I thought.
3: Night two, Raider-centric, not Las Vegas-centric. Ice Cube?
2: No one's going to argue with that one.
3: So I assume that you'll be going with ESO to
2: night two? Uh, well, that day we're at Crazy Horse 3, so I don't know if I'm leaving until Saturday. Okay. We'll see. Might be an all-nighter. Uh,
3: Saturday night? You know night? me. You
2: know me in the clubs.
3: Sure. Saturday night, mock uh, round three, or uh, round th- oh, four through seven, excuse me. Uh, Marshmallow. Kind of your scene, too. Okay. Club, that is club nice. kid. Yes. Yeah, you're a club Absolutely. Kid. I
2: am a club guy. Love so, it. Yeah. Love it. Can't wait for the pools to open up. Just dying. This wind's been killing me all week. Uh, yeah. Getting
3: in getting yes. my beach body shape. I keep, you keep texting me, like, hey, one of the, one of the pools really jumping off. I'm like, uh. Don't worry about it. You don't need to know, uh, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's going to be a wild week for sure. Uh, but we got that news today. We got the uh, information that it looks like the opening of the draft will be uh, Derek Carr and Darren Waller uh, throwing throwing into things. So, um, you know, a little Raiders feel to the beginning of it as well.
2: When you open the draft, you make sure that you run off the stage before Raj walks out, right? So you don't have to hug him. Uh, no, if you're sensitive to oh, being booed. booed, my God. <laughs> For our path to the draft, we've been pulling a lot of the bad first-round picks to just kind of set up the conversation. We'll talk Saints later on because they've got two picks. They traded it for a second first-round pick. Every time we're pulling old, awful picks, huh. the, the highlight begins with, boo, and it's hell it's, you know, walking out. It is so consistent. Oh, yeah. And, I th- and I've always said, I think he thinks it's like some gigantic joke. Like, the average fan really loathes you, dude. Well, if it's picks, though, they're aren't they booing? No, it's at, before the pick okay. is made. Okay, it's him being reigned with booze. Now, I will actually step up here on behalf of Goodell for one second. We have gotten a better idea of what a complete B his job is. Like he makes a lot of money. Yeah, it's hazard pay. So when you make thirty-five to forty-five million, tough luck ski. But as the boss of the owners.
3: He's really not the boss, right? Yeah. You see,
2: these guys are a friggin' nightmare.
3: Yeah, it's basically you're getting paid to be a punching bag, for one thing. Yes, and you're to, the one taking the hits. Yeah, and defend. if you don't
2: comment on things, the fans are pissed off at you. If you say anything that could be out of line with the owners, they're mad at you. Right now, he's dealing with situations all over the league like, oh, you got something to say about me, owner X, and I'm owner Y? Wait, you know, wait until you see what comes back at you, Steve Ross. Snyder, <laughs> right. Jerry
3: Jones, and really anyone. Well, it's like, and then he's got one team stealing money from other teams, um, allegedly. Sure, uh, he's got one owner who potentially is hiding a child uh, and paying them off to not be named his child. And those are like the the friendly things, allegedly. Yeah, those are the <laughs> sure. Uh, those are the those are the, the the fun things to deal with compared to the real craziness and awfulness that's going on in the league. So. Uh, yeah, it's not a great job, and, and certainly people have booed him over time, that just like they do uh, in the NHL with Batman, too. Um, people don't like that you know that person. Usually they're the evil empire of the league, and uh, that's why you get paid the big money, especially when you're Goodell. But I'm sure Vegas fans, and, and it won't be all Vegas fans, it'll be people from everywhere, uh, will join in and booing. But maybe they're hoping that Darren Waller and Derek Carr out there can, at least from the beginning, draw a little bit of that uh, negative attention and energy away uh, from Goodell, make it a little positive to start things off with the home team and uh, and then jump into the festivities, which I, I think it's very unpredictable. So we'll uh, we'll see how that all plays out.
2: So I saw the uh, the A's result today, <laughs> but I didn't get to see the crowd. Did you see any shots of the crowd? That seems to be a big thing to send out what the crowd looks like.
3: Yeah. I saw, I mean, on Twitter, there was definitely some, uh, some po- photos. And I said result. It's 6-3 in the eighth. A's are up on the Orioles. So total runs, hits, and errors in the game so far through eight. Uh, over or is it more or less than how many fans are in the building? So right now, um,
2: if we multiplied runs uh, hits by what a hundred, there's uh 26 runs and hits. Okay. So is there 2600 in the building at whatever they call that stadium? I'll take the under. Yeah, I'll take the under all week. It's not great. I mean, I've seen people say, "Hey, you know, they're being honest." What was it? 37.48 for. Tuesday's game. Yesterday was like in 2,700. I mean, they're setting records going back to like 80, 79. Um, I saw Josh, du- Josh Dubow, of course, uh, Raiders whisperer with all the stats and numbers. He's all over this one, and he sure. pointed out, I think, the, the last time they had a crowd as small as 3,748, it was the game where Brian Kingman, remember that name, lost sure. 20 games in a season, lost his 20th game. I think he was 8 and 20 that year. Um, and the A's were terrible. Uh, we don't know if the A's are going to be terrible this year. I think I think they will be, you know, max 75 wins, but we know why there's no one showing up because the perception is they're leaving, kind of want to stay, don't want to stay. I've been asking all the company members this week, like, what what really is the play here? You trade off your players and you raise ticket prices. What is the ultimate play by the owners and the president? I mean, I do think it's
3: a long, a long haul play of everything that they've done the last couple of years has been to make everyone think they're leaving, even though they're not leaving. And You still believe that? Yeah, and that—that's the end game because ultimately, what you want to do is get the most, the best deal you possibly can out of Oakland and Alameda County and the Bay Area and everybody else up there, and so you set everything up to make it look like you're leaving and if people still don't believe it cuz i think for the most part people that are really paying attention don't believe they're leaving then you're like okay well now let's set up another scenario and for those that are fans of the movie major league you'll you'll you know recognize this of putting it making it so it's the fans fault look what are we supposed to do 2000 people are coming right what do you want us to do you want us to stay here this is nuts
2: now in defense of the fans they've been pitched a really crappy product right so they're very down on things and they're of the belief that the team could be leaving so I don't know how many people out there in this era would buy that it's the fans fault well it's, what, it's, what I'm it's, saying it's, it's is kind of silly it,
3: making it look like the, that's what I said making it look like We it's have the no fans choice
2: fault. but to leave well you had a choice you could spend money you know in a lot of ways you, when you think about it are MLB owners very similar to NFL owners? Why, why aren't there owners from the Dodgers? I'm not going to mention the White Sox because Reimsdorf has always been an anti-player hawk. Um, but why aren't there owners from, I don't know, you know, right across the bay, right? The Giants. I'm talking about some of the richest teams in baseball. The Giants, the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, the Cubs, and the Cubs that have some balls. Complaining about another team's payroll, but huh. why why aren't there like six or 7 of them like, why are we giving you money? Well, or is it or is it just part of a big system where they're like, hey, we know what they're trying to do; they have to get public money. They got to make this work because eventually we're going to want public money, so we're not going to step out of line to smack them around. Because again, as you just said two minutes ago, it's a long play.
3: Yeah, and I think you know part of it is hey, if you believe the you know the story that came out, and MLB denied it, of course, but if you believe it, and I somewhat do believe it that MLB will not let a team build its own stadium anymore. Right,
2: Manfred has put in about a two hundred seventy five, two hundred and seventy five to three hundred million dollar minimum public pitch into any future stadium deal. Like yeah. you can, you cannot accept less than that because it's gonna hurt the other projects. And look at how it's worked in the NFL. They got us for seven fifty to buy into the National Football League. The Bills have ponied up eight hundred and fifty million. Nashville, which I saw the other day I'm like, wait, they a new stadium? <laughs> Had you heard of that one before?
3: Yeah. seven
2: hundred. 700 million. They want 700 million for that. Why do they need it? How old is that stadium?
3: Well, they saw, I mean, why wouldn't you? Once you see, again, that's why. So like anyone always, with a stadium or 15 years old yeah. is like, new stadium time. Well, that's why baseball, and, and, and like, listen, we think that, this is not us advocating for this, just so people are aware of that. I think it's gross. But that baseball is trying to do what the NFL did. And the NFL got what they got out of Las Vegas and fleeced the city and everyone else. But at least it made some sense for other events coming here and everything that that we're going to get you know ancillary benefits from it and then every other city said wait a minute now we've got a precedent and and in buffalo where you know literally the the pagoulas bought the team and i don't i don't know if people remember this or or you know even have it on their radar at all the pagoulas bought the team in 2014 on the premise of if you don't sell it to us If you the fans don't want us, it's gonna be John Bon Jovi, and he's moving the team. So don't let him get it. We're committed to Western New York. We're staying here, and then you know seven years later, it's hey we're leaving if you don't buy if you don't build us a stadium, and look at the deal Vegas got. And if we don't get better one, we're leaving because somebody will give it to us. And so it's precedent. So NFL got the precedent. Now the MLB is looking at a precedent and saying, hey, this is what it's going to be. You have to contribute public money. It has to be this much. And all the other owners, if, if on some level they're saying, why are we giving them this money? On another level, they're like, all right, if they get 600 $700, 800000000 out of Oakland for the stadium, that's going to bode well for us because we're going to get the same thing. And the A's boost attendance by
2: going the route of action in a texas juco
3: game <laughs> the cofield route i don't know why you're calling it that but go ahead elaborate so steve cofield as we've said before if you are playing softball with him instead of throwing the ball to a base he will throw it a runner just because he's frustrated and angry at them uh, i don't throw
2: i would never throw at them in the middle of the base pass you've described that poorly but i will throw
3: through them to get to the base so <laughs> sure, have you ha- have you hit multiple runners in the back instead of throwing to the base yes okay uh it's not kickball you know you don't get to throw the ball to the guy and get him out that's just frustration and that happened here listen I don't think we have any idea what the backstory is on this and I've I've tried to read a bunch of stories to find out I'm sure somebody will get to the bottom of it a pitcher gives up a go-ahead home run in a junior college game the runner is running around the bases if you watch the wide angle the pitcher then puts his head down on a dead sprint as the guy turns third base and I, listen I've been watching a lot of tape on NFL prospects recently this guy might be a linebacker he laid a perfect hit on a guy coming around third base just laid him out and to very much my surprise the benches cleared but nothing really happened like the benches cleared they all kind of stood each other ran out and kind of looked at each other and said okay what's going on here it was basically what anchorman with veronica corningstone
2: sure and uh, and Ron Burgundy, where everyone's like, back up, let him finish it. Let him
3: finish it. As, as she's taking a TV antenna, sure. whipping him across the back. Let him sort it out. The, the best part to me is after it all kind of starts to die down a little bit, the runner does have to still touch home plates. So after everything starts he, was to die he down. Bloodied, battered, yes. limping. So you see a coach come over and kind of escort the runner and be like, hey, man, you got to go. Let's make sure you a, touch home.
2: Put an arm over his, <laughs> his shoulder. Help him home.
3: Now, that might have been the – maybe that was the plan for the pitcher of, like, well, if he never touches home, the run doesn't count. Sure. So maybe that was what he was I'm doing. I'm going to
2: spear him on the third line. If he
3: hurts him and takes out his legs and they, you know, take him off the field before he touches home, then you appeal. I mean, that would be the, the greatest move of all time. If, if the guy gets stretchered off after you tackled him at third base, then you appeal the play and say he never touched home, you know, step off the mound, throw it to the catcher, step on home plate. And the guy's out. I mean, that would be fantastic. But in this case, it just kind of settles. The dust settles. They escort the runner. He touches home. It's over. I think this is a trend. I think we do this now.
2: We need it at A's games. Let's get an extra, you know, five hundred, thousand, sure. fifteen hundred fans. Sure. It's kind of a rough city anyway, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I think they would like it. It's gritty. Who are the biggest pictures on the avators? I've I've always thought there should be with the expanded rosters. There should be an enforcer. Yeah, I've always not? thought whoever the the, the quadruple A, you know, 6'4", 250, corner man is. Should be up in the majors just to
3: beat ass on the other team. I was about to give the other night. Uh, Thames looks pretty intimidating over at first base.
2: He's, he's not 6'4", <laughs> but he is 250 at 5'8". Sure.
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's – he. I forgot how how yoked he is. So, in and, and all these situations, like the other day when Luke Voigt slides in for the Padres and, you know, slams the head of Tyler Stevenson, the uh, Reds catcher on the ground, Right. With his dumb unbuttoned jersey, where, where, where's the enforcer? Go get Voigt. lose in The enforcer. Or is that my? The original idea came up with. Someone needs. to, Anytime you play the Astros and Dusty Baker is being an ass, go after the old man. Well, haven't you Send the enforcer over? Well, not you
3: advocated intentional wild pitches at the dugout? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay,
2: I've also that that's another roster spot. is I want a pitcher to be designated just to throw a ball straight into the dugout. Well, isn't, isn't Dusty I think like, that's a balk. But so what?
3: Isn't Dusty like
2: ninety? So what? I mean, hey, you want to pre- bring the heat to the game? You you want to work for the Astros? You know, one of the uh, more cheating organizations in baseball. You want to mouth off? Let's go. And there could be it is what the it is what the A's games need. We've come up with a marketing plan. There's probably going to be a fight tonight. Come on out to watch the game. Wasn't that the whole point to keep people away? (laughs) I forgot. That does ruin their grand plan. Uh, The grand plan at the beginning of the season was for the Golden Knights to make the playoffs. (sighs) They're on fumes right now, but they got it done last night. We'll break it down.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas.
2: There's no other building like T-Mobile and um, you know that's something that we definitely you know we thrive off that energy that was the loudest I've probably heard it in in a while I mean not that I've been around for but yeah you know that 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 felt like a playoff atmosphere and uh, whenever the fans are, are buzzing like that you know we, we definitely feel it and, and you know we can feed
1: off that so you know pretty awesome.
0: Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens it's Cofield and Company.
2: No one's tougher on the crowd at the Fortress than one Adam Hill. Adam's in as the company today. That was Alec Martinez talking about the crowd and how big a deal it was. I heard DeBoer mention the crowd. Give some kudos to the crowd. Some other players did as well.
3: How was it? I mean, I would characterize the crowd behavior as disgusting yesterday. Um, what, around Leonard? Yeah, around like, you know, he, make, he makes – you know a save where it's not in a save like the puck trickles in and he stops it oh hey good job buddy and then um you know Thompson makes an easy save and they just go nuts like they just won the Stanley Cup playoffs um it's it's ridiculous it's absolutely preposterous uh but the third period I mean it was a it was an unbelievable game unbelievable um atmosphere that they they were into it they were in they were you know the the players talked about the crowd getting into it and Um, being a factor in the third period, and they were. But, I mean, I think for the last couple weeks they haven't been much of a factor at all. They've been kind of dead in the arena. Um, And yesterday, I mean, it was impossible not to be really in the third period, but they were there. They turned out, and, uh, I mean, they're still going at least. That's something that can be said. I I think the behavior of most of them is pretty despicable. What do you think of the game winning goal? Incredible. Great great footwork. Yeah, it's sick. He's the guy with space, and, you know, he – uh, Shay Theodore was asked after the after the game, like, what do you what do you, what do you just like about overtime? You seem to thrive there, and he just he was like, space. Like, what what are you talking about? Like, obviously, yeah, the game changes Cl- clearly, and and clearly that's where he's at his best when he can, you know, get some momentum going, get make a move in open space, find some room and score. He thrives in that area. There's no question about it. And it's very obvious uh, that he has a his game at a different level when he's able to do that.
2: So, did it make sense to you that DeBoer pulled Robin Leonard? No. Why not? No.
3: Um, I, I I mean, I didn't think he would start, first of all, after especially after you go and trash him the way that you did. You thought he trashed him. And throw him under the bus the way he did. You thought he threw him under the bus. Yeah, absolutely. And The other day. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no question about it. That's what he did. And then, and, and by the way, in the third period he kind of deserved it um and, and by the way not for well, the he 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 deserved criticism did you need to back the bus over him no
2: I'm not sure but DeBoer had no problem saying you know in that spot you know we have a guy the guy's got to get it done you know between the two goalies he he, he didn't get it done versus the other guy yeah and he said it multiple times yeah so I I, I thought the same thing I thought he backed up over him I still feel like there's a lot more going on here. Oh, that That I don't know that Leonard is DeBoer's guy anymore. I don't know what's coming down from upstairs. Uh, Listen to DeBoer here as he talks about uh, Leonard and why he got the start in the first place. A lot of people were shocked yesterday going into the game.
1: Well, the decision to start him, we pay him him to start games like this. It's the most important time of the year. After that New Jersey game, I I felt like I wanted to give him the
2: opportunity to – bounce back and, and have a big game for us. Okay. Then why didn't you? That sounds different, though, than what he said after the Jersey game. Sure. And he made sure to put it in there, hey, th- this is what you pay the guy
3: for. Which, to me, is everything you needed to hear. As, you know, oftentimes uh, in the moment, so just to, uh, you know, go back in the behind the scenes of what it's like after a game and after a repeatable press conference – We've got like eleven minutes to get stories filed. It's it's nuts, and it's just like kind of wild chaos, and we're trying to scramble and and, and not everybody is that you know not everybody has deadlines. I get that, but uh, as far as, as far as we go, and it's like scrambling, trying to throw whatever quote you can, get something off the off the floor, and turn into story. And then, um, you know, myself and my colleagues from the RJ kind of huddle and discuss like, okay, what happened? Let's see what stories we need to follow up on. What is there? And my, as I said last night, because everybody was kind of saying this, like, the same thing of like, what exactly happened? Let's try to figure out what happened. And I said, you, all you needed to hear was like four words from that entire press conference, and it was about that's what we pay him for. Which to me signals that was not a Pete the Board decision. Pete the Board did not make that decision yesterday. To me, okay, it was somebody else when he when he went to whoever he has to report to, whether it's McPhee or McCrimmon or even Bill Foley. And was like, I'm starting Logan Thompson. And somebody said, we don't pay Logan Thompson. We pay Robin Leonard. And to me, that's what that's what this boiled down to. It's That's what we pay him for in these spots. Like, Robin Leonard carried this team for about a month and a half. He was unbelievable. Played out of his mind. Saved the team. But they wouldn't even be close to this position if it wasn't for Robin Leonard. He got hurt a couple of times. And he's not been the same since. Um... Whether that's lingering results of the injury, last night Pete DeBoer said he's healthy. Um, He He said healthy and fresh, that's why he's healthy. Which I took as a shot at Robin Leonard. Um, Whether it's lingering results of the injury, whether it's he just hasn't mentally been sharp since then and whatever's going on uh, in that regard, for whatever reason, he hasn't been the same goalie that carried this team, that, that carried this team in the bubble, that carried this team early in the season. He hasn't been the same player. And something is going on. I don't know if the offseason fixes that or you know what where it is, but right now it's not. he's not playing to that level. But it seemed like Pete DeBoer at some point made a decision that he was going to start Logan Thompson, and he was told no, and that's what happened. And at, I don't know if he was told, hey, you have to start him, and then if at some point he needs to come out, he needs to come out, and you can make that decision, or if he just did it and went not rogue. Yeah, he went rogue. I don't know. I don't know. But he's – listen – Logan Thompson did not win that game last night. The offense won that game. Like, Logan Thompson gave up a goal in each period just like Robin
2: Leonard did. Not just like Robin Leonard did. The quality of the goals were not the same. Adam. No, he faced much less shots, sure. But the, the quality of the goals allowed, they were, those were hard chances. Come on, the, fir- the first goal. Ovechkin had there was the first no goal, screen at all. It the, was
3: a, a rocket shot, but it was a no, no screen at all. It's a two-on-one perfect sight of it he had, you have the shooter it wasn't a pass you have the shooter it's a two on one it, that that was a tough
2: spot and he had and he faced less and, chances and, than Munter did and, by the way and the third goal he gave up was also a tough spot OV's in front of him but I mean it's you know it's one of the best goal scores in the history of the NHL that's what
3: the, the I'm talking about there's okay, no although, screen he's because, on his own
2: but the one I thought that's that was, on you I thought that was a t- he's he's going against one of the greatest goal scores in the history of hockey and, sure. the, and the opportunity before that was a freaking one-timer on the left side it's a two-on-one it's not an easy save. Come on, Leonard. Leonard let in let in a goal where the the puck trickled between his legs, and Cocaine Kuzi was there to knock
3: it in. Yeah. Who? By the way, why is he there? Why is he there? You're not going to get. Yeah,
2: why someone, is he? Then, not, why not is not he standing someone, on his own in front of the net? You're not going to get someone shooing guys out in front of the
3: net all the time. Why every other team makes the save? Every other team Make does. the
2: save. He thought he made the save. He thought he had locked it up in the pads. He's just standing there, and he has no right, idea the the puck trickles out. Every other team in the league does not allow guys to stand in front of the net like they it's do. that. That's now you're being ridiculous. You know, you don't you don't allow anyone else to throw out absolute statements like that. Don't throw out sure. even, no one else in the league. Sure. It happens. Sure, it happens. It, it happens. And it, when it and, happens, and, it's not usually on and the on, goaltender. And on Leonard being pulled, the second goal that he allowed. Was not great work by Leonard. They challenged it. It was an offsides because sure. you, you sent over a note today, and you're like, I can't believe he pulled him. You know, in a one-one game. Well, I mean, the second goal was not a good sign either. No, I'm, and and you have to admit, nobody's Adam, disagreeing with that. There's there's a lot that is going on behind the scenes in terms of confidence in Leonard, confidence in Thompson, who players are rallying around, the feeling on the ice and before the game about who is starting. Listen to uh, DeBoer here talk about why he pulled Robin Leonard.
1: The decision to change. I really liked our start. I thought we gave up that first goal, and I thought we looked, you know, like we were rattled as a team for the rest of the period. So, you know, it was just to try and switch some momentum, reset ourselves, and get ready for the rest of the game.
2: Let's build on that. I love the momentum comment. I was listening to the press box this morning. Uh, as analytics dorks, they cannot stand words like momentum. I don't think you like the word momentum. We'll get into the notion that, DeBoer could kind of read what was going on. He didn't like what he was seeing, and he wanted to switch things up. Enjoy
0: 77-cent Bud Light bottles during Vegas Golden Knights games at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's, it's Cofield and
2: Company. Talking about the Knights game last night, Hey, they got the win in overtime. They got a couple points, so that's good. You know, they came up clutch in a lot of spots. I know on this show, dirty word, clutch, momentum. Can't stand it, right? I don't mind them, but I'm old school. So they got the two points. Now they have to root for a lot of help. And in terms of controlling their own destiny, they got to win every freaking game the rest of the way. But what we're talking about is the Leonard Thompson thing, and then who's making the decisions from DeBoer to McCrimmon. To McPhee, to Bill Foley. Because there's a lot of inconsistencies the last couple of days. And there's been some things said that I thought were pretty obvious. Believe me, this show is the king of subtweeting with speech. Right? I hate subtweeting on Twitter, but, you know, sneaking jabs in and, you know, trying to – you know what we're saying, but we're not saying it, right? And DeBoer has been – he's been doing that. Um, You just had someone you think misunderstand you who was listening as you – we're talking about Leonard and how his season's gone along the way, getting on you for being too pro
3: Leonard. Yeah, I said he was unbelievable the first couple months, carried this team and has the team to where they at least have a chance to make the playoffs. They're probably not going to still, but they at least have a chance. And he hasn't played well for a while, whether that's injury or not, or not just being sharp or just being thrown out of rhythm by being out for so long and being up and down and having family emergencies and everything else that's going on around him. He hasn't been sharp for a while. He just hasn't. And I wouldn't have started him yesterday. And then somebody's response to that is, Leonard should hire Adam to be his publicist and president of his fan club. Like, what? I don't even, what is that even, where did that come from? I just said he should have started. But once he's in the game, and, and the whole notion of, by the way, Pete DeBoer is selling his own his own decision of, I just didn't like the response. You didn't like the response of tying the game? Like, he, he said, I didn't like the response after they got that first goal. And I remember last night, because I went back and looked up the tweets and saw all these tweets that were like, "Wow, Golden Knights have really responded since that first goal, and played much better and
2: scored." Part of the response was the goal that got disallowed with a good challenge and offsides after the goal that the Knights scored. But but that's part of the decision. They the way I looked at it, they were down two one. They weren't. It's one one. Steve, it's part of the decision. but, But he's judging he's judging the totality of the first period, and he didn't like what he saw. From Leonard, I thought both of the goals were not great goals, and that's on the heels of no. weirdness in the Devils game. And the one, the one goal in the Devils game, he's just standing there like a statue. Had no idea. He's he's not healthy. He's not fresh. Right. I think we both said it. I don't believe that DeBoer wanted to start Leonard yesterday. And you're right. I don't know if he went rogue or if someone called from upstairs and they're like, you know what? I agree with you. I don't like what's going on. Get Leonard out. Or if I said, "Hey, it's not right." Leonard could have said that. That's very possible, but again, and and DeBoer could again, but, but but in that case, DeBoer ain't covering for him. No, not disagreeing. Not no, disagreeing DeBoer with what you're saying. If, if Leonard said he wasn't good, he wasn't good for the second period. Not,
3: not disagreeing with what you're DeBoer saying. By the way, for him. by the way, the the offside goal that was disallowed is exactly what I said last night was part of it. When everybody was like it was one one, and I said nope, they scored two. What DeBoer said was. I didn't like our response after the first goal. And the response after the first goal was to really start playing well after a terrible start and to tie the game. That was the response to the first goal that the, that the Capitals scored. So what on earth does I didn't like the team's response to the first goal mean when it actually was as good as they but played all night? Let's say this. You've covered all of this long enough,
2: right, between the Knights and the Raiders and other coaches. Right. When... There's more going on than just a decision. Of course. You at times will
3: misspeak. Of course. You're going to get caught in inconsistency. That's my point. Yeah. That he's saying things that aren't really the case. I'm here to translate for you in the
2: most basic language to the audience that, like, there's something else going on with DeBoer, and then you're trying to scramble as to why you took him out. Yeah. And it comes across in, you know, in weird fashion. And then the whole momentum thing. Like I said, I was listening to the press box going over to UNLV football practice this morning, and I thought it was interesting as they were clowning on the word momentum.
3: Yes, it, it, it doesn't it, exist. It, but,
2: but, but, it, but it is a coach's job. Everything is not numbers and analytics. They're human beings, and it is a coach's job to judge. I mean, that's what they're paid for, too, to, to make the call on what they're seeing, and sometimes there aren't numbers to back it up. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fair.
3: Um, and one, one
2: game. Everything's fine. Like, and DeBoer's watching. He's like, I don't know if it's fine.
3: Like, or I, he, I, it's not. I don't know. I don't think it's fine. Sure. And it's, and also, if you go into the game looking for any excuse to try to make a move, then that you've, you you could have found it. There's no question. There's no question that's true. If if what we think is possibly happening, which is DeBoer wanted to start Thompson, and somebody told him he couldn't, and he was maybe told. If something goes terribly wrong, then you can make that change. Then you can go in and look for anything, and you could have found it there. And and Leonard gave him a reason to have that, you know, to make that move. If that if that was what happened, if that's what 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 we think potentially could have happened, those reasons were there. That's fine. Uh, but also, it's a pretty insane position to, to say, "All right, look, um, we're going to allow you to play, even though we don't want you to." And if you give up one, you're out. Like that's pretty crazy. If that was what happened, and. There's nothing to say that he didn't know that that was possibly the case, which is nuts. to put so, And it's nuts to put the rest of the team in that position if that's what happened. There's a lot of a lot of moving pieces here that are crazy, and it's not helped by the ridiculous behavior of fans, which is just nonsense on every level. So I, I, I think that there's many, many things that are going on here, and there's going to be a lot of decisions to be made in the offseason with everyone. People are worked up. It's a hot-button issue. Leonard. Thompson,
2: who's making decisions? What was DeBoer doing the other night? Kind of rolling the bus over. Leonard making some comments last night about, hey, this is what the guys paid for. you got to have your, your best out there. Ted wants in. What's up, Ted?
1: Okay, guys. It's been a long time. I mean, I could go nuts in terms of the debacle of the year for the night. We're kind of going to concentrate on Leonard. Let's do that. That's fine. To me, this is so obvious what's going on. You know, listen, has he had a, a terrible year. No. You know, he's been average. Maybe I would say, um, you know, that's not this team forever from its inception has relied on his goaltending. You know, this year, you know, that totally went out the door. You know, come on. It's pretty obvious again that management, upper management last year, we get rid of of Fleury, we make a commitment, sign Leonard, and what happens? You turn around and he has – Again, a nothing average year. This guy cannot steal you games like, like Flurry did. And listen, we, we all know the egos involved in upper management. So they're not going to turn around and let the boar, whatever, I'm done. We know Thompson's the future goalie. And that's it. I'm not sure they're too thrilled with Thompson either. But listen, again, we know, Leonard, look, whatever. You want to feel bad for the guy, that's fine. But that's not where we need to go. And obviously, DeBoer is aware of it. I'm not in the locker room. Obviously, I think there could be issues in terms of how the team feels also about it. But again, Leonard, to me, is not where we need to go. We should trade him while maybe potentially you could get something for him, if that's at all possible, with a cap or whatever. Um, But, you know, all right, I'm done hyperventilating. Go for it, guys.
3: All right, Ted, Good a call. And I don't want to speak for people.
2: Well, you had no problem 15 minutes ago. You said many of the fans were horrific in yeah. their behavior last oh, night towards Leonard. I'm saying I don't
3: want to speak for people. That's a, that's a public – that's a generic thing. I'm not speaking for every fan individually. They're horrific. Um, if you want to say that DeBoer is sick of Leonard and done with him, I don't think that that's completely unreasonable based on how he's acted and how he's behaved. But do you want to ask Deboer how he felt about Flurry? Anybody wanna ask that? I mean let's be honest. They clearly grew sick of him at the end too. So let's not pretend like everything was all great with him. And I think it was both on the ice and off. So I let's not let's not kid ourselves. And just be like, well, DeBoer is, you know, has moved on from him, and he wants to go to Tom. Sure, happened before. Not the first time this has happened. And just on on a side note on how this, I I got a text from somebody who follows sports very very closely, but doesn't necessarily follow hockey. Last night, that said, how come every time I turn on a game, the Knights are down one nothing or two to one, and everybody is like, goalie sucks. (laughs) They can't score. That's the issue. They've been hurt all year. They can't score. And that's a, that was a great point from somebody who doesn't pay that much attention, but is like, I don't understand why it's one nothing and 2-1 all, all the time that they're down, and people are like, the goalie stinks.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Cofield & Company is live at the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino.
2: Happy hour is here, 277, on lots of the drinks, beers, margaritas, and shots at two different bars, we're at the Bud Light Lounge. Across the way, silver and gold right in front of the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. Damn, I played one baseball game today. Didn't work out. Anthony DiSclafani didn't have it today against the Mets, so Giants lose to the Mets. think guy got like plus 115, something like that. Didn't work out. Carrasco. Carlos Carrasco, seven and two-thirds. There are actually two guys today that I saw a quick look at the box scores. Carlos Carrasco, seven and two-thirds. 88 pitches, 81 pitches? Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin Gaussman, Giants, to the Blue Jays threw eight-plus and also didn't pass 90 pitches. So that's one thing you're starting to see. I mean, you see it all over baseball, and it goes back to the Kershaw thing last week. No one is really stretching out their pitchers above 90 or even 100 pitches because of no spring training.
3: Guys are also learning, if you want to stay in the game, be more efficient. Be more efficient, yeah.
2: Yeah. I just repeated what you said. But, yeah, that actually is a good point. So freaking throw strikes because you're not going to get 114 pitches. And if you do, you're going to be – if you're doing that, you're going to be out in the fourth. Actually, you won't even get to the fourth. They're just going to – they're just going to cut you off. You can see yesterday, he had a no-hitter going. As soon as he gave up a hit, I think he was right at like 84 pitches. We're like, all right, out. Like, we're just – we're not deviating from the plan, just like Dave Roberts didn't deviate from the plan with Kershaw in the perfect game. So, you haven't been in a while. All this stuff came down about our show, Winning Time. Kareem came out and was like, "This is bullcrap. It's not funny. It's not informative." Okay. Then, then Jer- hold on. The then Jerry West, Jerry West follows it. Uh, Jerry West is lawyered up, and they dropped a freaking bomb on HBO, but specifically Adam McKay. And where I'm lost here is how much has this show deviated from the book? Because I thought Perlman was standing behind the book and said, "I talked to 350 sources." Because Bob Ryan was getting after him last week. You know, Bob Ryan's. 85 years old. A lot of the old NBA guys are like, you know, Jerry West was a wonderful guy. Well, maybe in Boston you didn't know everything about Jerry West. I don't know. I'm like now I'm kind of confused as Kareem they're taking, you know, one small thing and and amping it up ten times. Do you think this thing is completely out of control and inaccurate?
3: I I mean I wasn't there. I don't know, but I mean I read enough of the book to know that this also this does deviate quite a bit from the book. And we talked about it. In certain regard, like there's certain things you have to do when making a film. Like, and there's also things that you, I, I think, have to look at and say, "Oh, I understand what this happened." I, I'm, I'm using that example of the, and I've used it before here on the show. I think of Pat Riley joining the broadcast team happened two years earlier. Right. A lot of stuff is, but like you have to in terms of the time. I don't think Jeannie Bus. I don't think Bus started working for the team until after this. Okay. But on West,
2: was he an angry, bitter dude in the mid and late 70s? Was he throwing back a bunch of drinks? Would he throw out some slurs every once in a while? Did he vehemently disagree with Magic Johnson getting drafted? And if you're – I don't want to spoil it for people. Are you caught up? Yeah. Okay. Oh. I, mean, I, mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, in the last episode, like, he's one of the driving forces to say that Paul Westhead in for McKinney – like, he's done. Let's bring in Elgin Baylor, which I find hilarious.
3: Like, is, like what's not accurate there? And by the way, didn't Jerry West then aggressively pursue Elgin Baylor when he was at the Clippers? Like, wasn't that his, his move then? Uh, it makes sense. Um, I and, and also, here's the thing. Isn't Jerry West re- getting some redemption? Of, like, he was bitter as a coach. He was angry as a coach. He didn't like it. It wasn't his thing. And he's not great now. But he's a much more yeah. centrist character now that he's out of coaching. And I think that was the, what they're trying to portray, right? Like, Maybe what, it wasn't what, as bad as they said, right. but he clearly is more comfortable in an executive role than a coaching role. That's what the, that's what the show is showing. Like, is
2: it safe to say it's somewhere in the middle? Because what, what the West Side is saying, none of this is true. I, 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 don't, I don't think Jeff Perlman talks to hundreds of sources and is this far off. No, and, and here... Because what you're hearing from old-time NBA people and members of the Lakers organization is like, Jerry West was the nicest guy ever. I never saw him do anything like this. Never? Right. I, it, I mean, then 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 there's something wrong. If he
3: never did any of this... By the way, it's also more than 30 years ago. So pe- people forget, times change. It's like, oh, this, that's not how he was. And when you do talk to that many people, you do tend to get a bit, I'm going to say, accurate, but also not necessarily complete, right? Where... You could talk to 30 people that worked with with somebody every day. Let's just say Jerry West. They work with Jerry West every day, 30 people. And they're like, I loved him. He was great. He did this. He wasn't anything like that. And then you talk to the bartender where he likes to hang out and not be around the people from the team. And the bartender's like, yeah, the people from the team, they know one Jerry West. I know another one. This is who he was. And this is not, I'm not saying this is a, that this is what happened. I'm just saying for an example of when you're talking to a lot of people, the bartender could be like, yeah, he was aggressive and abrasive, and he'd get drunk and harass the staff and that sort of thing. And then the people on the team are like, I never saw anything like that. Well, yeah, you weren't at the bar with him. Like those those things are possible. Where there are two sides of everyone. There's there's different pictures that can be painted based on the interactions that you have. Last couple seconds. How do you think Kareem comes off? I actually think he comes off pretty well. like, yeah. you know, like
2: I'm not seeing anything that is a shocker to me. Oh, he was sullen and maybe didn't have a ton of passion eight years into his career, and Magic's coming in, like, happy guy, not angry guy.
3: I, I, don't, I don't know what the problem is. Didn't understand Magic? Like, th- that seems to be what it is. Like it, it, it seems like everything I've ever heard about it, that's the relationship that I've heard about, so it doesn't surprise me.